So there I am. I'm like 30 years old. I work two jobs as a professional nurse and I can't buy flour, sugar, eggs, milk, whatever to bake a cake at the grocery store. So that was my my wake up call that put me on the journey that I'm on now where I've actually been really, really serious about it. But it was kind of the most ridiculous situation. (laughs) Welcome to the neighborhood. My name is Michael Lacey, husband, father, and host of the Wealthy Neighbor Show, where every week we bring you an amazing interview or message to inspire you as you build wealth for your family. Thanks for stopping by the neighborhood. Now let's jump right in with today's message. Well, you know what they say, drastic times call for drastic measures. And as you can tell by that short clip and the title of this episode, today's guest Ashley is no stranger to either. Ashley found herself over $86,000 in debt early in her career as a nurse and in an effort to address it, decided to go on a no spend year. I got to be honest, I'd heard of a no spend week and even a no spend month, but I've never heard of anyone doing a full no spend year before I came across Ashley. Now, with that said, Ashley, you did find yourself $86,000 in debt when you started addressing it. So before we get into how you use the no spend year to pay it all off, tell the neighbors who are listening how you found yourself owing that $86,000 in the first place. Yeah, when you say it like that, it just sounds like so much and like, you know, you would know that you're in that much debt. But I really didn't like for a long time have any clue how much debt I was actually in. Um, In 2014, I was having a lot of issues with a scholarship that I had in nursing school and they were threatening that I was going to have to pay back the scholarship at 50% interest. And it was like pretty crazy. And I had like a a high interest rate credit card from care credit um, from the chiropractor. And I was just like not able to pay my rent on time. I had a lot of problems with that. So I added it up at that point in time and it was 94,000 plus Um, so I worked on that for a couple of years and then, um, didn't really, you know, pay a lot of attention to it. Just tried to work as much as I could and throw extra, you know, above my minimum payments as much as I could. And then in 2016, um, I was dating my husband at the time and he was super frugal and had a lot of savings. And I kind of decided to like revisit and that was the number $86,000 pretty much. Wow. So, okay. So we've got kind of two timelines here. So let's talk yeah. about this. Let's go right after college, right? What year is this when you graduate, when you finish um, school? So my first degree, um, I finished college in 2009. So. Okay. So, so 2009 to like 2016-ish, about seven years is kind of the time frame it took to rack up this debt, right? Yeah. So I went straight from getting a Bachelor of Arts um, in History and Political Science with a focus on the Middle East and not really having a marketable skill in the recession and went straight into nursing school from there while working. So I basically was like Van Wilder and was in college for like nine years straight. You said that 
you were racking up the debt, but you didn't really realize it, you know? So kind of what was going on financially during that time? Yeah. So I I guess I always thought like, I'm going to make more money. I'm going to make more money. And then when you have a degree and you're working retail and you're not making more money um, than what you would have made, then, you know, you're, I'm still living beyond my means. At one point, like in my undergrad, I was making five fifteen an hour, working a maximum of like ten hours a week in that job. So that obviously is not enough to support anyone. Right. Um, and then when I graduated with my BA, I worked retail and I made like less than ten dollars an hour. So then eventually, I you know I keep thinking during this time, like, well, I'll just keep, you know, spending what I have to spend. And, you know, eventually I'll make more money. So when I graduate and have a nursing degree, um, it actually takes me three months to get a job which I wasn't prepared for. I thought it was going to be a lot easier than it was. That's kind of like the moral of the story. I always think I always thought that things were going to be like come to me a little bit easier than what they did. And I never really had a plan for how I was going to get through that. So I did graduate. I did eventually find a nursing job. But then once I did, it was just kind of like keeping up with the Joneses, like all the other nurses I worked with had this or that. And I kind of just fell into it until it got to be out of control. So what was your salary around the time that you started in your nursing career? Um, so, I mean, I worked night shift and I would like pick up on the weekends. So it kind of, you know, varied a lot, which was part of my excuse at the time was that I didn't really know how much I made. But, you know, like looking at like my tax returns and stuff, I made it anywhere between 60 to like $66,000. You mentioned something earlier. You said that part of, you know, your financial journey was you start this nursing career and you're making a decent salary, but at the same time, you kind of felt this pressure to keep up. And so what were some of the things that you were doing to kind of keep up appearances with some of your coworkers? Oh gosh. Okay. So, and not all of it, you know, is because of the coworkers. Some of it is just, you know, me, myself and uh, things that I wanted. So I always had like the gel manicure. I had eyelash extensions, um, hair highlights, just like all the beauty treatments. And then um, we would go out after like a rough night of work and then we'd get drinks and food and we had a lot of rough nights. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a lot of um, a lot of going out with with coworkers and stuff like that for years. But we we have really stressful jobs. So you kind of decompress together and it's kind of a thing. And so you've got this seven year period where your debt's just kind of accumulating and building. Was there one big moment where it all just hit you and you knew you needed to wake up and start attacking your debt or was just, it was like a kind of a gradual progression type thing? So I I have like three of those like sick and tired moments. The first one I kind of mentioned earlier, which was that scholarship that um, the government started trying to come after their money on their investment. And that was just such a huge thing because I really didn't know how I was ever going to be able to pay what they were threatening that I was going to have to pay. Um, but eventually I did find a job that satisfied their requirements. So I didn't have to worry about that. But at that point I did start trending in the right direction. I did pay off like about $9,000 in the next year and a half to two years once I got through that. But I never, I never learned budgeting. Like I just, I didn't seek out the resources really. I just was like, okay, well I have debt and I should pay on it. And I didn't really have a plan. So I just, if I made a little extra on this check, I'd throw towards it and stuff like that, but didn't get serious about it until I had um, some embarrassing moments playing my, my game of credit card roulette, as I like to call it. 
Oh, what's credit card roulette? That doesn't sound fun at all. That's when you think that, you know, you have all these different cards and you're like, which one is it maxed out or which one has money on it if, if it's a debit card. So you just hope you swipe and hope that it's going to go through. <laughs> gotcha. So you're, you're playing credit card roulette. Okay. And so that's kind of your, your second wake up call. I'm sure there are some instances in there where you felt like you got burned maybe. Oh, yeah. I think I paid a couple hundred dollars in overdraft fees one day on like, you know, Starbucks and like meal at a fast food restaurant or something like that. Because every time you swipe, you got an overdraft and I just went around all day, you know, doing my thing. But I stopped carrying credit cards for actually a couple years because I learned that that was like my biggest problem. And my student loans were so big that I didn't really think there was a whole lot I could do about them. So I stopped carrying the credit cards. And then I, um, you know, only carried my debit card. And I tried to be good about knowing, you know, how much was in my account. But an issue happened when I changed jobs, and I was supposed to get paid out PTO, and I didn't. So um, it was going to be another two weeks more than what I had been planning on waiting for that money. Um, And I didn't have enough money to pay my rent. And I I had been doing a lot better for a couple of years. Like at least, you know, I still had a ton of debt, but at least I like wasn't running into that credit card roulette situation anymore. And so my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, was just like, well, you know, like I can help you pay your rent. And I was like so devastated by like having to take a handout when I had two jobs and I worked so hard. And so that was the first thing. And that was in January of 2017. And I, you know, was like really embarrassed by that. But then no more than three weeks later, I go to bake him a birthday cake and it's the day before I'm going to get paid. And I go to buy um, a cake carrier uh, because he lived two hours away at the time and I needed to transport it. And I had a coupon because I'm trying to be frugal, but the cashier forgets to ring it. So um, I don't know if you know anything about transaction logs or retail, but if they go to re-ring something, the money does not go right back on your debit card. It usually takes a full business day or when they close out the transactions for the day. So when I went to go buy all his cake supplies, they declined my debit card at the grocery store. And I didn't have overdraft at that point because I had turned it off because that was the better thing to do. So there I am. I'm like 30 years old. I work two jobs as a professional nurse and I can't buy flour, sugar, eggs, milk, whatever to bake a cake at the grocery store. So that was my my wake up call that put me on the journey that I'm on now where I've actually been really, really serious about it. But it was kind of the most ridiculous situation. Yeah. So let me go back to something you mentioned. You mentioned that when you were the, one of those wake up calls was when you couldn't pay your rent and you your boyfriend kind of bailed you out. How did that conversation come about? And like, how did he react when, I mean, was that the first financial conversation you guys had or what was that setting yeah. like? Yeah, we we had had a few financial conversations at that point because he was just very frugal and he like his dad's an immigrant to this country. And so he just kind of grew up with like a very different like financial upbringing than I did. So his dad like hustled and like worked full time and then had other businesses and real estate investments and stuff like that. And like always kind of was like making some money on the side. And my parents both worked really hard. They're both public servants. And 
you know, did a lot of stuff that was important, but it was just like your basic like salary and stuff like that. So I always found his upbringing versus mine really interesting. And we talked about it a lot. And at one point we're talking about how um, he paid off his student loans and uh, was going to pay off his siblings' student loans as well with the proceeds from the sale of his house that his dad helped him buy. And I'm like, my mind's just like blown at how the opposite, <laughs> the opposite of me uh, in my situation it was. And I, I knew how much I had then because I had been trying to be better. And I said, well, I, you know, I have a lot of student loans and I never, you know, kept it a secret that I had debt. I just, you know, didn't talk about it a lot. And they were sitting outside and eating and he's just like, well, how much do you have? I'm like, well, a lot. And I don't want to say it. And he's like, well, just, just tell me. And we'd, we'd not even been together a year at this point. And I'm like, "Uh, about 85,000. I think I probably underestimated. I probably said like $83,000. And he was like, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) just like looks away at whatever the road trying not to make eye contact because he's like baffled. So when he goes to like pay my rent or whatever, he, you know, I make a decent amount of money and, and, and I make more than what he makes. And so it was kind of like, well, I'll help you, but like, we're, we're a team and you know, you'll pay me back and it's only going to be two weeks and it's not that big of a deal. You essentially use that kind of as a turning point to to really kind of get yourself together and start moving forward. I mean, yeah. what was what were some of those first steps that you took when you finally said, you know what, I gotta I gotta address this. I gotta start moving in a different direction. So as soon as I got that cake baked, <laughs> I packed up for Cleveland and I thought, okay, well, I have this two hour road trip ahead of me. I usually like listen to something in the car. Like I like Audible a lot and audiobook. I have two credits available. Like what can I listen to that is going to like give me a plan. Like I know I have to do this, but I don't really know what I'm supposed to do to fix this problem. So I downloaded um, two books. The first one is called The Spender's Guide to Debt-Free Living, How to Go from Broke to Badass in record time, uh, which is just a great title and really spoke to me. So how do I do it? So Anna Newell Jones wrote that book. And I listened to that one. And it was just like, for the first time ever, I found like a voice in the finance community that wasn't just like telling you to, you know, not have, um, you know, your Starbucks and everything will be fine, or just, you know, general investing or financial advice, I actually found something that I felt really spoke to me and like where I was at at the time, which was just like, I don't know what to do. And she actually recommends doing a spending fast, which is how I got inspired to do a no spend year. And then the second book I downloaded was Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. So definitely a classic. And it was kind of like this yin and yang of like this really funny uh, woman who I felt like was a lot like me and kind of like the angry like uncle who's giving you that tough love and telling you what to do and to get mad and attack it. So it really worked for me. Now, you said something very interesting. You said that in the first book, she recommended a spending fast, but you went on a no spend year. What is a no spend year? 
So yeah, that's the same thing. So like a spending fast can be any amount of time that you want it to be where you're just, you're only spending on certain things that you've decided to do. So she recommends spending fast for one year. That's what she did to get out of debt. She said, you know, if you can't do it a year, then do it a little bit less time or something like that. But I was like, no, I can do it a year. Like I, I've done a lot of really hard things. Like I was a trauma nurse at the time. I could definitely do something extreme. And I looked at my numbers and I was like, I pretty much have to do something extreme. So a spending fast is just deciding what things um, you're allowed to spend money on and what things you're not allowed to spend money on and then sticking to that list. So for me, a big thing was like restaurants, happy hour, all those beauty treatments I was talking about. So I just basically like cut out all those trouble areas and just paid for like my basic expenses, like my utilities and all my living expenses. Wow. So the the restaurants were the thing that was getting you. That's interesting because I know when we started our journey, the first time we actually sat down and did a budget, when I looked at it, we had actually spent more at restaurants than we did on rent for the previous month. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I was spending, um, I think, like $250 a month um, at restaurants just for me and like probably like $100 <laughs> on groceries. Like I was eating out the majority of the time, even though I thought I was doing better. Yeah. So how, how challenging was that to cut back on that so drastically for a year? I think the main thing is that like, I'm like very much like an all or nothing type of person. And if I like, say I'm going to do something, and I'm really like serious about it, I I have like so much like determination and grit. And I just like made that hard decision like, nope, this is this is what it's going to be. And I only told like a handful of people. And then I just kind of like declined, (laughs) you know, all my other (laughs) invitations, but I had just transitioned jobs. So it was like a really opportune time because my new coworkers didn't really know me as like the person who spent a lot of money. So I was quickly able to be like, Oh, yeah, no, I am. I actually can't go out to lunch. Like I'm just going to eat here. And like, it was just very accepted. So it actually was a lot easier than you would think it would have been. Do you credit that as the thing that kind of really lit the fire under you and helped you gain that momentum? Absolutely. I mean, they say like when you start budgeting, you give yourself a raise and this is a budget on steroids, basically. So definitely I was able to get momentum within the first few months just because I was so drastic about what I cut out. And so from the time you started, you know, when you really sat down and calculated it until the very end, how long did it take you to pay off that 86000 So we actually got married in the middle of my no spend year. (laughs) So we combined finances right away. So the numbers were a lot faster than I had originally planned. So it it only took 18 months total. So August of 18, we finished. And so, I mean, how did you organize your debts? Were you like a debt snowball or a debt avalanche type person? So it's really funny because um, I followed like Anna's book to the T and she actually says to make like this debt hit list, she calls it. And it's kind of based on like how mad you are at each thing on it. So I did what was actually like a hybrid snowball avalanche at the time. And I didn't even really know. (laughs) what either of them were. But I put like all my highest interest rate. um, Well, firstly, I put like my my quick things I could pay off that were like under a hundred or a couple hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. So it was like I started snowball. But then I kind of did it by category and by interest rate. Um, So I don't know, I kind of had my very own unique plan. But I did focus on interest rates and balances. 
I love it. I mean, and that's the beauty of personal finance, right? Is that first word is personal, doing what works for you. So that just goes to show that it doesn't always have to be one way or the other way. You can make this journey your own journey. So I, I love that you shared that. And I definitely moved it around too. Like I got real mad at Wells Fargo because they raised the interest rate on one of my student loans, which I did not even know was a variable interest loan when I <laughs> took it out. So I was like, oh, nope, I'm paying off this because they just keep moving stuff around. So yeah, I, I kind of jumped around a little bit. And so you mentioned that you were a spender at heart and that mm-hmm. in your upbringing, that was kind of the natural way of things. So I want to know, how did your family and friends react because you had such a drastic change where you weren't spending as much anymore? I think my friends were really supportive. My two best friends were really supportive because they had their own student loans and credit cards and stuff, and they had had problems with them. So they were real understanding of, no, this is a good idea. You should do this. Be a mature adult, even if that means we can't always go to happy hour. My mom and dad like had moved. They live really far away from me now. So I kind of didn't tell them about it till, you know, I had seen a lot of progress and they were really surprised by it because it is just like not my nature at all. But they were really supportive because they know that I had bit off more than I could chew, especially with the student loans. And so they were really supportive. And then, of course, my husband, who was my boyfriend when I started, was crazy supportive. And he was a lot of my motivation because I didn't want him to have to clean up my mess. So my closest like core support system was really supportive. And then I kind of just tuned out everyone else. I actually deleted my Facebook like two months in. I just didn't want to see what everyone else was doing and spending money on and like hearing all the the normal chatter about like, yay, just finance to car. So I just like tuned everyone out and got on Instagram actually and found people on there, like-minded individuals and just surrounded myself with that. Yeah. So how important is that to your journey? Like finding those people that are on the same mindset as you? I think it's like everything, to be honest. Like, I don't know that I would be where I am now if I hadn't been sustained by all that like positive energy and support and even just like the competitiveness, like both with myself and like posting my numbers, like for accountability and like having people who are doing the same thing as me um, that also like are maybe a little bit ahead of me that I can look up to and see what they're doing. And um, I've just learned so much by immersing myself in that. So in the middle of this journey, though, you did kind of touch on it a little bit. You actually planned a wedding while you were paying off the debt. Yes. And so how did you manage both of those? I mean, kind of walk me through that time. Like, What was that like? So we got engaged no more than like two months after I had started on this no spend year. And we hadn't been serious for a little bit. And he was really supportive of what I was doing. And I said, you know, I'm not going to go have this like big money or big, you know, big spending type of wedding that everyone else seems to have, um, where, you know, each person who goes spends hundreds of dollars on what they're wearing and uh, the venue and all that stuff. So we actually decided to get married in a park for like $150 for the venue fee. And we our goal was to spend like around $2,000. We ended up spending more than that, but not significantly more. And it was small, very small, but it was perfect for what we were doing at the time. And like what our goal was, we always said that like, it's way more important to have like a really good marriage than it is to have like a really big 
fun wedding. Like that's just one day out of your life. Like you don't want to be paying for that for months and years the way a lot of people do. You mentioned that this happened while you were on your no spend year. And so then you guys get married and you combine finances. Like was he doing the no spend year with you or... So yeah, I didn't want to penalize him because he'd always been like frugal and rarely spent money on himself. So he actually was able to pay for a lot of the things for our wedding with actually his Chase rewards points because he used his card and paid it off and used it and paid it off his entire like adult life and never had a problem with it and never spent his rewards points either because he just was frugal. So that came in really handy. But then we did combine finances. And when I started to make our budget for us as a couple, I was like really torn because I didn't want to like pay for restaurants and stuff like that. But I also like he every once in a while liked to go to a restaurant and he wasn't going to go without me. So we did kind of modify. And so the the second half of the year long spending fast was not as hardcore as the first, you know, we went out occasionally, we budgeted under $100 a month for restaurants for the two of us. And then I didn't have any personal spending money or pocket money. So that's kind of how we got around it. Okay. So you're on this journey together now, right? And so you finally get to the point where you're debt-free and you pay off that last debt. What was that moment like for not just you, but him as well coming into that with you? He was so supportive and like really was with me every step of the way. And it was so funny because you you really like build that moment up in your mind. Like you listen to the debt-free screams, if you listen to Dave Ramsey or just other people doing it, and you really think this is like going to be some life-changing moment. And it was so funny to me because it really wasn't. It was super anti-climatic. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I feel like uh, everybody I've talked to who has done it like feels the same way. Like you feel like there's going to be like this big thing, like fireworks will go off, and unless you're shooting them off yourself, they the rest of the world just keeps on going. Yep. And I mean, everyone's excited for you, but it's just kind of like, okay, good job. <laughs> Yeah. You still got to go to work that next yeah. day. You still got like, yeah. It, yeah, nothing really changes. And it's, and I'm gl- glad you said that because you do see like the debt free screams on Dave Ramsey and like people are crying and the yeah. kids are crying and you're like, okay, what's wrong with me? Why am I not, Why am I not feeling this? Yeah. Yeah. Like my friend came over and we, you know, had a cake. I made a cake and we took pictures. And then, you know, like you said, you, you just go back to work and <laughs> so ha- I mean has it hit you yet like have you had that moment where you're like oh man like okay this was what I did that for like this moment right here I think you know I've become like much more open with like people in my personal life um about the journey because even like when I was doing it before I was like originally anonymous on Instagram and I didn't really talk about it with people and recently I've started talking to like some of my coworkers are kind of interested in getting their debt paid off and stuff like that and it's sunk into me just how different my stress level is about money than it, what it used to be because I like see it reflected in them if that makes sense like Absolutely I'm like, oh, I don't worry about this stuff anymore. I'm not like, oops, missed a payment on this accidentally because I have, you know, 10, 12 payments. I, I don't have any except for my mortgage. So it's it's just funny because you forget and you just kind of go about your day-to-day life and then kind of the way everybody else lives pops back up and you're like, oh yeah, I don't I don't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so moving forward from the debt, you know, you started to focus on your emergency fund after that, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Which is a totally different pace and a lot harder in my opinion, because you can get real mad at all that debt and just all that, oh, on this interest rate, it's, you know, the every day that it's there, it's, you know, taking more money from me. But then when you're building up an emergency fund, it's just kind of throwing money into savings and it doesn't have quite that same like sense of urgency to it. And so it was a lot harder for me. So we, we did build that, but then my car died a few months ago and I actually had to dip into it for the first time Ever, which is the other thing. I never, ever had touched an emergency fund um, until one year after we became uh, debt free and my car died and we had to buy a new car, but in cash. So let me share this real quick because, you know, we were in Hurricane Harvey and we lost a car in Hurricane Harvey. And you know, by that time we were debt free. We had an emergency fund. We had a sinking fund for car repairs and just, I mean, it's ridiculous because we weren't spent sending so much money to debt. We were just like finding places to put money. And so I remember walking into the dealership and like, I already knew what car I wanted. I had like scoured other dealerships. We'd visited like four or five and I, I, I knew exactly what I wanted and I knew the price that I wanted to pay for it. And so we walk in there and I negotiate the guy down. Everything looks great. And when it came time to like write the check and give them the check, I couldn't even write it. My wife had to write it. And so, <laughs> so like, hard. because it was so hard, like my hand was shaking and my wife's like, do you need me to do it? And so I'm like, yeah, you have to do this. So what was that process like for you buying a car cash? You know, it's funny because I wanted to do it the way that you did it, which was like I had all these um, ideas of different ones I wanted and, and a ballpark price and I wanted to go to a dealership. And my husband, again, growing up, uh, and I think part of it has to do with like that immigrant upbringing, like you don't go to a dealership, they're going to give you a bad deal, you have to go to a like a private seller or something else where you can get a better deal. So my husband's like making me look all over Craigslist and Facebook and all these places. And they're actually like, these people are wanting more like than what their cars are worth, like Kelly Blue Book. And I'm like, the dealership will be better. So finally, he and I like compromise and we decide that we're going to go to an auction. So it was a totally like backwards experience from that where we were like, okay, this is the max we're gonna spend. And then hopefully we don't have to spend it. And um, I was the same way though. I made him do the actual like holding up of the card to bid because I was like, I don't want to be responsible for this. <laughs> but then he wouldn't bid without like, me saying so. So it was like this, this like train of like him looking at me, me giving him a nod, him putting the thing up and then the auctioneer giving the nod to the other auctioneer. And it was like <laughs> so ridiculous. But we ended up with one of the cars that we came to look at that day. But it was crazy because the ones that I really wanted went way higher. But I was willing to like go back and as many times as it took till we got something that was like in our range and not get caught up in the excitement the way some people would. Uh, but it was really fun experience actually once I got over like that I almost threw up on the way to get the check <laughs> it was, like, all of our money. <laughs> yeah no I'm serious like for those of you that haven't had the opportunity to do that I'm sure for some people like it won't be as difficult but for me like I had just and it what one thing that it made me do is realize like how attached I had gotten to my money yeah. which I was like whoa like that's not healthy either so I've done a lot of work on myself in that regard but it was it was just like a surreal moment. I've never written a check for that much money. I mean, right. it was close to twenty thousand dollars. Like right. it's just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm about to do this. But I know another thing for you. I guess your introduction into debt was student loans, right? And then you are now basically cash flowing school. Yeah. Um, and so, where did that desire to go back to school come from? And then, why was it important for you to cash flow it instead of maybe taking out loans or doing something like that again? 
I think lots of people's introduction to debt is student loans. And they just, you know, it's just so normal and just part of like everybody's life. But the thing is, it just hangs over your head and, and just keeps you held back. And I had private student loans. So I had wanted to do things like join the Peace Corps and stuff like that. And I actually couldn't because I had private loans that could not be deferred. And so just the baggage of that experience, I wasn't going to do that to myself again, where I was going to have like limited options. And in fact, I wasn't even going to take like any kind of like tuition reimbursement or scholarship or anything like that, that had any kind of strings attached, because I've just decided that it's not worth it um, to limit your future possibilities that way. So I am getting tuition reimbursement through work, which has really been a great motivator, like get that as well I can and take it. (laughs) Um, But there's no service requirement at my employer, which is different than a lot of places. So I mean, I like my job and I plan to stay there. But so I wanted to take advantage of that while I could. And then I shopped around until I found an online university that was fully accredited and accredited in business that was going to be a reasonable um, tuition because tuition, uh, especially I live in Ohio, it is within the top 10 in the country of how expensive it is. And it just keeps getting more and more. And especially for like the fields that I'm in, it's like most of the good local universities, like for instance, Ohio State is like around $1,000 a credit hour, which is just insane. So I shopped around till I found something that we could cash flow. Um, and it was just important to me that we not go back into debt because I worked so hard to get out of it. Yeah. So, I mean, outside of school, how are you preventing yourself from going back into debt? Uh, it's funny you say that because like I lost a bunch of weight once and then I put it all back on within like a year, right? And then I, it's been like this vicious cycle ever since of like, can I keep it off, lose it, whatever. And I, it's just something that I know about myself is like, if I make this line and I stick to it, then I'll be fine. But if I do allow myself to like go back into it a little bit, then there's no telling <laughs> how bad I'm going to backpedal in this situation. So I mean, the main thing is that we've just been really really sticking to our budget every once in a while, like we're, you know, a little bit more lax than we were, but um, I keep a tight budget and we're both salary. So it's a lot easier to do than it used to be. But I just make sure that we're on it. And the only time, like I said, I let us touch that emergency fund was to get the car. Like we if we have an issue with the house, we're going to cash flow that Um, I don't really do sinking funds either. Because I just I like my money to be like, right where I can see it in one spot, not I mean, sinking funds are great and work for a lot of people. But for me, it's like too much temptation just to like spread my money around and not have a mission and a plan. So I like to like really focus on one goal at a time and just hit it as hard as I can. How do you guys plan to build wealth for yourselves going forward? So uh, the plan this year until the stuff happened with the car was to max out uh, my 401k and um, I do a Roth uh, option 401k, which has been really nice. Um, so that way I can really see how much I actually have and it's not going to get taxed later. Um But then so the car happened. So now we've dropped it back down to get our match. But next year, we hope to get back up and max maybe be able to max out both of our 401ks. And then we're also really interested in getting into real estate investing. And my husband's going back to school right now to get a real estate certificate as well. So that's our our other vehicle that we're hoping to use. So how are you preparing for that? I mean, are there any books you're reading or or things you're listening to that are helping you move in that direction and helping you learn about those different strategies? 
Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we're both going to school. So he's getting the real estate certificate. I'm getting a master's of business administration. And then we're both listening um, to the Bigger Pockets podcast quite a bit, which is kind of like, that's the big voice I would say in that real estate investing space. And actually I'm getting a book from them right now. It should be here today. So I'm excited to listen to that. But then I also just, I consume so much personal finance material, just like on a day-to-day basis. I have all my friends on Instagram and there's so many awesome people there that are doing index funds or real estate investing. And I'm just like learning from them, like through, you know, what they're putting out for free on their Instagrams, which is really cool. Sweet. So what would you say to the person out there who is that spender, that free spirit, that shopaholic that wants to kind of get it together and wants to, you know, feel more in control of their finances, but they just don't know where to get started. Like the desire's there, but they're just like, I can't even figure out where to begin. What type of advice would you give to that person? So um, I would say the first thing is to really know like how bad your situation is. So add up your debts. I did a reverse budget. I think that's a really good way to get a good picture of like how much your damage you're really doing. And then that'll give you an idea of where you can actually cut back and then go as hard as you possibly can go. Like I did a no spend year. That's pretty drastic. But I think that's what I needed because my spending was so out of control. But I know a lot of people will do like a no spend month and they'll just kind of test the waters and see you know, how they can do with it and then go from there. But 100%, the main thing is budgeting and giving yourself limits and giving your money a job to do. And I think that is the the main reason we've been so successful. Yeah. So, and for the people out there who maybe don't know what that is, can you explain a really briefly what a reverse budget is? Yeah. So the reverse budget I did was I'm a debit card person. So I had a log of what all my spending was. So I could just go into my bank and see where all I had swiped my card and I put it into categories and added it up. And I did that um, luckily, just through that one thing. But if you use multiple, you know, cards and things like that, just go into all of them, see where you've spent your money, and then add up your categories. And I actually still have like my handwritten list of all the places that I went um, in the three months prior to me starting my spending fast. And it like, it's funny, it just like blows my mind. It's like an entire page of just like debt payments, and then like three pages of like restaurants and, and bars. <laughs> but that'll give you a good idea of where to start. Gotcha. So basically you're sitting down today and going back and reviewing the transactions for the last couple months and then categorizing those and saying, okay, this is where I need to make adjustments. Exactly. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us, sharing your journey with us. I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun, Um, but I do want to give you an opportunity to share with the neighbors out there who are listening where they can find you. If they want to keep up with you, uh, if they you know felt inspired by this interview and just want to follow along on your journey, where can people find you? Uh, So I do have a website. It's ashsavingcash.com. And then I'm on a all the other social media under the same name, but I'm mostly on Instagram. So at Ash Saving Cash. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Ashley, for stopping by the neighborhood and sharing your story with us. I'll be sure to link to Ashley's website, her Instagram page, and provide a link to the book she read in the show notes, which you can find at winning slash episode 10. 
That is winning2wealth.com slash episode 10. And man, I can't believe I just said that. We're really 10 episodes into this thing already. And that's just crazy to think about. And I just want to say I'm having a blast and I hope you guys are too. There are so, so many more stories to come ahead of us on many different topics. But as always, here are a few takeaways that I got from this episode. If you want to win with money, the first thing you need is a plan. Now, Ashley mentioned that she was paying a little bit extra on her debt for a few years and she was barely making any progress. But when she started to educate herself on different strategies and then put those strategies into place, she made some crazy progress and paid off the rest of her debt in less than two years. Now, she wanted to be out of debt at the start of both of those instances, right? But the difference the second time was the fact that she had a plan and a strategy. And I don't care what you do, whether it's the debt snowball, the debt avalanche, a no spin year or a little slower approach. I really don't care. I just want you to educate yourself, which I mean, you're doing by listening to this podcast. But then from that point, create a plan for your money. And this goes for whether you're in the debt elimination phase or the wealth building phase. Now, second, you need to cut the distractions and find your tribe. Ashley mentioned that she deleted certain social media accounts while she paid off her debt and that she spent a lot more time on Instagram with virtual friends who gave her space to share her wins and her struggles and even hold her accountable for her goals. Let me just say, I love that. And it's exactly what we're building here with the neighborhood, which you can find at winningtowealth.com slash neighbors. You have to plug in with people moving in the same direction as you. And the crazy thing about that is you're not only going to grow financially, but you're going to grow and develop as a person as well from that accountability. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it either directly with a friend or on your social media profiles. That's what helps other people who may be in need of some financial inspiration find the show. When you do that, be sure to tag Winning to Wealth so that I can personally thank you. But thanks again for checking out another episode of The Wealthy Neighbor Show. I really do appreciate each and every one of you that support every single week. I hope you guys have a great rest of the week and we'll talk soon.